edition of the Stat Pack. Perhaps one of you spooky listeners can help us solve a spooky mystery. Um, what's up, guys? David here, David Hal, with uh, Rodan, sitting across from me, still Rodan. Rodan for one more. And um, via the technology that is Skype from DFW, Dallas area, we have the lovely Eli. What's up, dude? What a great time to be alive. Have you realized that a couple of years ago, we couldn't do this? No, man. I remember making songs in my room as a kid and trying to record it. It was so impossible. And now it's just it's now pretty you can good. spend 450 bucks and you got a whole studio that fits in your pocket. I remember yeah. being, okay, this is going to really, uh, being a perverted teenager, right? Being 13 and being on... Uh, AOL Instant Messenger and going into the chat rooms Ooh, used to ask people yeah. ASL and people only the only the really cool people used to be able to send you pictures like fuck nudes like send me a, just any picture of a, you you as a person yeah it wasn't even about <laughs> nudes really it was like what oh dude okay, did you I ever buy get, it you're a human you could you couldn't just found that picture anywhere on the internet but yeah ASL man age sex location yeah dude, <laughs> tell me where do, you live we should do a feature chat rooms. Just, the stack pack, like like, like a little like uh, oxygen special. Like does a- does AOL <laughs> AOL AOL crimes the the AIM crimes <laughs> the AIM does does uh, instant messenger exist still? No, no, they, they officially chat- shut it down like a couple of years ago. I remember everybody making a thing about it. I think it went offline twenty eight uh, like Jan- July first, twenty eighteen, or something like that. Oh yeah, it wasn't that long ago, but it is kind of a bummer. I logged in one last time. So this show starts with a mysterious uh, cold open, right? <laughs> nice cold open, man. That was kind of confused there. Okay, so last week I accidentally started this episode uh, thinking that this was the, the one, and I was like kind of confused. I was like, man, a cold open? That's weird. And then that's when I was like, this doesn't feel right. I said, I feel like we're, I feel like I'm watching the wrong episode. Yeah. Something told me. this. The, my inner stack knew that this was the wrong episode, so I had already seen like this part. Yeah, this is a case of good old fashioned amnesia, or is it? <laughs> is, is it though? <laughs> oh man, this one starts off strong, and it's, uh, let's just say that this this story has third act problems, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Good old, good old Tyler, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, this guy. The episode starts with a guy that has amnesia, doesn't remember why, where he's from, has no knowledge of who he is. And apparently he was found wandering the desert on January 28th of 1991. And um, they took him in because he was, uh, they said he had extreme dehydration and exposure. So the person that found him, they took him to the hospital. And interestingly enough, he had three layers of clothes on when they I come found back to him that. in Vegas. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a pin in that, I, right? I want to put a pin in that. I want to come back to that. <laughs> well, that's what they call three-seasoned clothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't this isn't Red Dead Redemption. You can't just whistle for your horse and then change into your winter outfit, you know? No, you have to have it on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the doctors concluded that he had something called psychogenic amnesia, which means it had nothing to do with him, like, getting injured in the head, like, you know, like, real amnesia. Brain damage is, I guess, it didn't have anything to do with that. It was um, brought on by some sort of traumatic emotional experience quote uh, i'm gonna guess unquote. that traumatic experience is something we're gonna learn about later on and it doesn't seem i don't know i don't know 
you never know. Mystery. Mystery. Yeah, I don't want to be too Stephen King novel about it. This guy's a fucking liar. Okay, sorry. Let's tell the story now. He always does that in his books. Like, Earl Thompson, that's the last time he'd pull out of his driveway alive. And you're like, why did you tell me you're going to kill him already? <laughs> but it kind of makes it easier to focus on the details and what's going to happen. You know, you got that out of your way that he's going to die. I don't yeah, know. this dick nose was wearing three layers of clothes. Yeah, it? three layers of clothes, but he didn't know who he was and he was stranded in the desert. Um, and no head injuries. It's traumatic. Dude uh, could have died. Psychogenic amnesia. So his goal is to have Unsolved Mysteries help him find his real family. And they couldn't find, like, any uh, record of, like, his fingerprints didn't match anything. And they couldn't find any missing persons that matched him or anything like that. The only clues were that he apparently had hairline fractures in both of his, both knuckles and both of his hands. And um, he had a, some sort of gunshot wound, like in a, like his leg or something? In his hip. They suspected hip. a previous gunshot wound to his hip. And, um, some, and then he says that he feels like he was drawn to San Diego for some reason after talking to somebody. And then he starts giving off all this information about San Diego for some reason. But he was found in Las Vegas, right? In the yeah, Las he was Vegas found desert. in Vegas. And he, he was like talking to somebody about San Diego. At the hospital he was at and decided that he's from there. Um, and he looks, he, he does, doesn't he kind of look like Judge Reinhold? Like the um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. Uh, I don't really see it. No? You don't see it? N- no. He's a Judge Reinhold I'm type. Of, I'm thinking of Judge Reinhold from uh, early, like, like, Fast Times at Ridgemont like, High. Yeah, yeah, Fast Times. <laughs> not not like Santa Claus or now drunk in an el- airport yelling, do you know who I am? I'm Judge Reinhold. <laughs> I can't see. Well, yeah, I guess maybe a little bit. I can't see him jerking off in a bathroom to Phoebe Cates, though. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. Fast Times Ridgemont High. Kids see it. It's great. <laughs> no shoes. No shirt. No dice. <laughs> it's my favorite line in the whole movie. Spicoli. He said he also recalled flying over San Diego and not like Superman guys, <laughs> but he was, he did say he was actually piloting the plane and then they, that's this, weird. Yeah. Right. They have that crazy scene where, well, just somewhere out of the blue, he gets this notion that, you know, that he might've been a pilot <laughs> and that planes. maybe if they put him behind the plane controls that it might trigger memories and it might help him remember. So with an instructor, he goes up, and apparently, I mean, there's video of it, and apparently he does a pretty good job. The instructor says he was a little rusty, but the instructor clearly says that he's like, there's no, like, he's definitely flown before. I don't think he would just say that if he just did the normal. Maybe he's taken an instructor class before. I've always wanted to get Or maybe he was just, like, hard? familiar with the cockpit because, you know, he had an interest in, in aviation, but never, <laughs> not necessarily flew. Maybe, maybe one he time. went on one flight. Maybe he's taken flight lessons, not necessarily a pilot, but I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. they wouldn't say it. I mean, he the, he clearly says I cheated. he's definitely flown before. That's I all he says. He doesn't say, like, he was a fucking fighter pilot. He was Is it? sucking dicks with Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise and shit. <laughs> Apparently, not only can he fly a plane for some reason, but he can also dismantle an intricate racing engine in a car? Yeah, that's 
not something everybody can do, but he could have learned that with his dad. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And he could also, um, he also had, he could also scuba dive and he also knew martial arts and computer programming. Didn't he he do some karate? Yeah, he was also a uh, rock star in his band, and his name was Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> do you, have you seen that movie? You know what I'm talking about? No, I, uh, I don't. I, uh, <laughs> it's, dude, it's an amazing dude. Buckaroo Banzai from the Adventures in the Eighth Dimension. It's like a Peter uh, Weller. Who played RoboCop? Peter Sellers is the famous comedian. Peter Weller. Um, and he's like a scientist. Um, Act, like action, like he's like a scientist spy, and he and his crew is a is a rock band, and like like the movie starts with him breaking like the sound barrier, breaking the law, and he's like That's a scientist, hilarious. and you know, and John Lithgow's the bad guy. It's this crazy eighties movie. It's amazing. So he looks like he looks like the lead singer in the band. Is uh, that what you're saying? No, it's just because he was a scuba. He could scuba. He was he could do oh, martial arts. He, he was like, a computer a bunch of cool pro- programmer. He could fly a plane. He was a race car driver. I really would like to get my pilot's license. He could be James Bond with a mullet. (laughs) Not as well dressed. Not as suave. Um, So Tyler is just kind of stuck in limbo. He doesn't know who the hell he is. He can't move on. Um, Apparently the hospital, like, um, put up money for a place for him to stay and got him a job and stuff. Yeah, they put him in this program that that – Afforded him an apartment and job to like help him live while he sorted things out. Um, this a psychiatrist diagnosed him with genuine amnesia, but this is when we start to learn a little bit more. We start to break the Boy, surface. Do we yeah, ever? Yeah, it's the ice. So, it show, yeah, so it shows him uh, gathered around about to watch the segment with his new fucking friends that he just found in his new life, and it shows him sweating. Fucking bullets. <laughs> Dude, I, what I would not understand is they say that they found his family before the segment even aired. How is that before possible? Before it oh. aired in Vegas. Yeah, before it oh. aired where he was. Yeah. So, you know, like he had his friends yes, over and they were getting gotcha. ready to have a viewing party. Yeah. And Makes it, sense. Yeah. yeah. Makes and, sense. And so, yeah, because – okay, because they found it – they found the guy from Boise called. So Idaho Different time zone. zone. Yeah. Gotcha. So this man called and said he was, um, in fact, the father of Tyler, not Tyler. <laughs> Dude. And uh, bum, bum, bum. yeah, and the, um, they had, so they told him they had located his dad, mother, and that he also had a wife and two kids that he had been separated from since February of 1990. Apparently, his mom and wife lived in Iowa, and his dad was in Idaho. Um, and his real name was Arthur Paul Beal, and he was only 23 years old, um, and he had two kids, and he was married, and he lived in Boise. I already said that. He was from Boise. And we see him talk to his mom for the first time, and she and he's like, I don't remember you, and it's just... But he starts crying. Yeah, he starts crying. Yeah, and it's awkward as shit. I mean, I guess it could be... That would be emotional. That would be pretty crazy. Oh, this is your mom, and you've never met her, but also, yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, but it's just like talking to a stranger. Wouldn't it be like, it'd be like you talking to a stranger. If you don't remember them, I don't remember you. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's still your mom. He doesn't know, know that. He does. Or, or he does know that though. So a little bit after this revelation, 
Um, now it's like we're watching a documentary, by the way. Like, Unsolved Mysteries is just there. Um, They've shifted gears. The North Vegas police knock on his door and arrest him for grand larceny because of a stolen shipment of frozen food. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. This is where we talk about him. He, he uh, fish sticks, right? Yeah. He stole fish sticks. He stole a whole... <laughs> 18-wheeler of fish sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he fled state lines. He went over state lines with fish sticks. So it's grand larceny that he was wanted for. <clears throat> Dude, we didn't even talk. He's like really breathing hard when they call him. And they're telling him all this. That we found your mom, your wife that you left. And you know what's funny is I was actually <laughs> going to make a joke. I was going to make a joke about, oh, that'd be really funny if this guy was just pretending to have amnesia. Not really realizing that that was how this case was about to end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. Okay. So um, what happens next is the Unsolved Mysteries documentary crew follows his mom up to bail him out the next day. Presumably they stayed in, um, they stayed in his room. They stayed in Paul's room um, and went with the mom to bail him out the next day. Um, even Robert Stack says, yeah, what does Robert Stack say about the encounter when, when the mom says, and son it first was, meet? He says it was emotional and awkward. <laughs> <laughs> the like, dude both. walked out of the, uh, walked out of like the holding area into the waiting area, like a fucking person. And he's like, oh, and these fucking guys are still here. Like the camera. <laughs> he's just like, fuck, I got to sell it. Got to sell it. Um, I, I, I feel like there's a different context to um, awkward now than there was back then. Because now it's just like awkward. You know, it's just, like it's just like it's, it's, it's a goofier word. Like awkward. He's just awkward. so awkward. What the fuck? Awkward. You know? And it's just that was truly awkward. It was emotional like, and awkward. Yeah. True sense of the meaning, Rob. <laughs> really, Bobby Stack and call him Bob. Bob Stack. <laughs> um, so apparently he was a salesman in Boise for a frozen food supply company. And he went to and Vegas to deliver a shipment. What kind of frozen back. food? Frozen peas? Fish frozen sticks. biscuits? Fish sticks? Frozen hash browns? Like, like what kind of nah. fucking frozen food? For the sake of the totally story, yeah, for the sake of the story, we want everybody to picture a Gorman's fisherman truck, and he just has a full-on thing full of fish sticks. And how's he going to unload them? How's he going <laughs> to get that money to flee the country and start this new life Everyone on this fish, fish stick sticks. money? All he has is a bunch of fish sticks. I mean, you can't keep unfrigerated for very... <laughs> Unfrigerated? <laughs> <laughs> for very long. You know? I did not pull a piss. I was like a baby. You, you waskily wham it. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gotta get rid of these fish sticks. They're hot. They're hot. Like... <laughs> No, you got to get rid of them before they're hot. Oh, that's the that's the thing. Yeah. No one wants hot fish sticks. I, well, I think that's the best way to eat them. But Dude, but let's say for the sake of argument, this guy really doesn't remember who he is. Imagine like losing your memory and like, oh, I don't know who I am. Uh, he's, he you know, lives a decent life. He's a nice guy. 
becomes genuine. And then he's like, newsflash, you were a piece of shit. Well, there's more clues to be. Let's let's get into a little bit more before we start because I, I do have a lot of questions as well. So on January 5th of 1991 is when he is supposed to leave with these frozen food. On the 25th, he is uh, stopped with this, with the empty truck in Boulder City, Nevada, and they actually interviewed the cop. He was questioned by the cop. Um, the question, the cop said he seemed super normal, clean cut, and talkative. And the cop told him that very he, intelligent. The cop told him he had a, that he had a warrant out for grand larceny because of the stolen food. <laughs> it wasn't a warrant. Yeah. It was like a pending warrant, or it was like in the process. Because if it was yeah. a warrant, that he would have been taken in. But it was in a different state. Oh yeah, yeah. He said it was. He said they're gonna get you a warrant for this. Like you know, you better take yeah, care of it. He was like, yeah, yeah. I'm on my way to take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, this cop's just like, it's easy to fake amnesia. Just say, I don't know. I don't know nothing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we get it. Who are you? I don't know. Um, the mom's convinced know. that he's not lying because she's like, he's so different. We were so close. Like it's just not the same person. He's different. That's not my Tyler. Actually, his name's not even Tyler. What's his real name? Paul. Something. Oh, yeah. That's not my Paul. My Paul, he wouldn't do that. That's not Tyler, not Tyler. That's not Tyler, not Tyler. Whoa. <laughs> and then they ask him in all of his uh, awkward emotional glory, and he's like, I haven't faked anything. I didn't fake any of this. He said he said it was horrifying and terrifying, <laughs> and that he, he – why would he fake any of it? But How is he – But the ah, thing dude. is, is like, yeah, that's what, what you were talking about earlier is it's like – what I want to bring up is like, well, we obviously know that he committed this thievery of fish sticks, this fish stick heist. <laughs> fish stick this, fucking this, bandit. This fucking fish stick fiend committed this fish stick crime before he had amnesia because the cop is talked to him. Is this ocean for and that cop And that cop pulled him over and was like, something smells fishy in here. <laughs> something yeah, smells yeah. fishy about this whole situation. Something smells, something's fishy about it not smelling fishy because there's an empty truck. Yeah. Another question is, why are you just gonna fake an a- fake amnesia and then go on TV to find everybody? Mm. Hey, yeah. For what? something as stupid as stealing some shit. Hey, remember our first case? The guy was off scot free with what was an accidental death, and then he came back, right, or something. And then he insisted on proving that you know he wasn't a murderer to his in laws, and it turned out to be. He was a murderer. He was a fucking murderer. <laughs> like, I mean, in the eyes of the law, he was scot-free, but he kept poking the bear. I, I just, oh, it only took right. like the, six body the, exhumations. Yeah, that's right. The 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 girl that got drugged right on the horse. Yeah. 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 The man's man. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, I guess if you're 23 and you're just fucking stupid. He served 90 days for petty theft. Yeah. Went back to his old life. And then they fucking let him out. And it's just like, dude, you really thought that you were that fucked? Like, yeah, okay. So the three layers of clothing is what somebody wears when they know oh, that they're going to be he, in the desert for a couple days, right? Dude, but That's he could have really died. Back on. The, the LA, the, the, not LA, the Las Vegas desert heat, man, that'll really kill you wearing three layers. Yeah, of but at night it also gets cold as shit. Oh, that's true. And it was in January. Yeah. Dude, but that's some, that's some, that's some, uh, what's the word? Not determination, but that's, yeah, that it just, some, I, 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 I think I really had I mean, to like really get dehydrated. I really don't think he, he knew, like, I, I think he thought what he did was way worse than what it was. Like, yeah, what like, if it was genuine? Wrist, I mean, like, what if he just had like a real 
wild and fucked up night in like Las Vegas, you know, you know, met some cute ladies, started gambling, lost a bunch of money. Fuck someone's up, dad. Ended up getting in a fight with the mob. Next thing you know, the cute lady you met is getting her head blown off by the mafia. And now you're wandering the desert without knowing who the fuck you are. I mean, I mean, no. What if some fucked up Quentin Tarantino shit happened? Well, anyway, um, so there, there's an update sort of to this. Yeah, I was looking that case, up too. And it was, um, we'll never really know the truth of if he really had been amnesia or didn't. Um, according to relatives and associates, he suffered a heart attack in uh, 2007, which has left him minimally conscious. Yeah, so he's like a vegetable now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if he's faking that too? He's mainly conscious. Yeah, it's just a weird case. I just feel like he was just stupid. And then like if you're like are you still trying to hide when you contact unsolved mysteries? I mean, yeah. I, I obviously I don't think any of us buy that he actually had amnesia first. Dumb move. Dumb move for sure on his part. <laughs> I mean, shit. Don't don't, I mean, don't contact unsolved mysteries if you want to stay hidden. Just live your life in Nevada. You're supposed to do dumb things when you're 23, but that's that's like that's up there. I mean, the fish sticks, <laughs> the fish sticks. I get, man. The dude. fish sticks. I get. Who doesn't fish love sticks. fish sticks? Yeah, just get in there. Give yourself a supply of fish sticks, and as you said, I love how we're just assuming that they're fish sticks. <laughs> it could have been steaks. They could have been Omaha steaks, a Boise it's, steaks. It could have been, could have been so many <laughs> things. Boys. We were uh, frozen, we were frozen about, Idaho. They could have, they could have been Idaho spuds. Yeah, they could have been Idaho potatoes. Freeze those. Potatoes. They do. What if they were frozen French fries? Whatever they were processed Idaho spud French fries. Hmm? They could have been going to the McDonald's over there. Yeah. <laughs> Or the Burger King. Oh, oh. my God. Okay. It could have been anything, but we already decided for the sake of our telling of the story. They're fish it's, sticks. It's fish sticks all the way. <laughs> all right, guys. So next, we have a wanted case. And um, this one's a fucking doozy, man. This guy's. Um, we're going to be talking about a real grade A prime <coughs> cut piece of shit. Dude, the worst. Yeah. And the, the first clue... In that he's a real piece of shit is he asked his friend how to poison a dog. Who the fuck? <laughs> hey, no, you know what? Fuck the friend because you know, he tells him how to do it. It's the sixties, you know. It's it, it, people aren't. You know who poisons dogs? Assholes. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. We're Murderers. taking you. We're taking you to nineteen sixty-seven to set the stage a little. So spring nineteen sixty-seven. We meet June Maloney, who's 27 years old. She lives in Rochester, New York, and she decides to leave her shitty primate grade A piece of shit uh, husband because he's been um, emotionally and physically abusive for five years, and he sucks. She said he could see the kids whenever, and um, she just fucking dipped. She took off. He was terrible. So now we meet Neil who at the time was living with his mother, and he um, he mentioned that uh, June had actually confided to him a couple times about um, his him physically shaking her. Like, not, not like straight up hitting, but like grabbing her and her having bruises, and he had a very short temper and stuff like that. And he said with the way that he was that it could be quite scary. So a couple weeks after he moves out, um, after his wife leaves him and he moves out, 
he goes over to Neil's house and visits his home laboratory that he had in his mom's basement. He was an amateur uh, chemist, or what do you want to call it? Dexter's laboratory over here. Secret layer. (laughs) Yeah, amateur chemist. What was Dexter's uh, nemesis? What was his fucking name? Mandark. Mandark. Mandark, yeah, yeah. Or Mandrake. No, it was Mandark. Uh, Mandark, yeah, that's a great cartoon. Who, Piglet? Piglet? He's cool. He goes to his friend's laboratory, and what does he ask his him? His friend's how to do amateur David? laboratory in his mom's basement. Let's just, I mean, he's not exactly <laughs> named, uh, insert chemist name here. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, it was, it was, like, really, it was a really specific question. That, like, I'm surprised the guy didn't, like, because he's a talking head in the, in, in this. And he says, like, he was asking me, like, how you could poison a dog to where it can't be traced. Like, it's a fucking dog. Who cares if it can be traced? I mean, it's because he said said that, did he? Well, no. Yeah, he did. Well, I think he did. because, But he said he was shaky about it because the dog, the dog in quotations, belonged to a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, watched by a neighbor. There you go. That. okay. that was his explanation for like. So nobody can know. Because he's going to go full on, like, sure, he's going to bring out the the yellow tape and like, bring like, out a full on CSI unit to see what happened to pull, his dog. He, he pulled it a lane, except he took it way too far. The county coroner is going to stop doing all other autopsies. Yeah. And do a toxicology on this canine. So, chemist friend Neil shows him this tasteless, clear liquid that he can just, that you could just put into something, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't take it. And, um,. Neil is talking um, to the Unsolved Mysteries audience, and and he says that he's like, after what? he left, I immediately was like, yeah. That was, that was weird, so right? this that is the weird. poison. This is where odd. I keep it, so yeah. you can't have it, but it's right here on the shelf next to the copper. See you later. Have a nice day. Close his door. Hey, that was weird. <laughs> And he even goes to he even goes out of his way to tell his family to stay out of his lab and to not let anybody in the lab, especially John Maloney. Right? Was it John Maloney or yeah. Joe, John? Joe, 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 Malo- Joe, Joe Maloney. Maloney. Yeah, yeah, it's Joe because Joe. I remember thinking that it, re- it reminded me of Joe Ripken. <laughs> <laughs> John Maloney. Joe. Maloney. John Maloney. Wow. John Maloney. Joe Maloney. He's not just a comedian. He's also a shitty murderer. Joe Maloney. Joe Maloney. Yeah, more like Joe Maloney. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Joe Maloney ate baloney. You got it, kid. Anyways, yeah, so he locks the door. <laughs> yeah, he warns the whole town not to let anybody in. And then the, not the whole town. And a couple of weeks later. <laughs> not the whole town he <laughs> He tells his whole family, he's like, but, let my I mean, yeah, but he's like, especially make sure it ain't Joe. And then he like, <laughs> and then he, and then he says, but it didn't work. It I, didn't forget, work. I forget what his exact wording is, but it's no, just yeah, like, says, but it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I really did it this time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Joe, not again. Um, apparently his younger sister was visiting, I presume, or she was over at the house and she wasn't usually, so she didn't know about this warning. I don't know about this, Joe. This feels kind of wrong. Yeah, and she said (laughs) Joe, um, talked her into letting her in, and he just grabbed a little bit of this liquid and took off. He he took the whole thing. 
uh, well, in the reenactment, he like pours a little bit, and he's like, "That's all I needed," and he puts it back, and then he. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's a fucking reenactment. It's a reenactment. It's hard to go off the facts of the case versus what they're telling you versus what uh, versus what is in the reenactment, and they don't tell you. They yeah. don't tell. They don't explicitly tell you that happened. It's just part of the reenactment, and you're like, "Uh, is this a thing? I don't know." <clears throat> so a couple weeks later, June goes over to Joe's humble abode for their son's fifth birthday party, and while he's um. Asking, he's like, he's kind of in the reenactment. He's kind of like, "Hey, good party, hey." Our son says it's the best, huh? The best party he's ever had. Pretty good. And she's like, "It's fine, Joe. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, How's it's the drink? Fine. It's drinkable, Joe. Tastes and funny. Does it taste funny to you? No, it doesn't, doesn't taste, taste funny. funny? Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, back of your throat scratching yet? No, no. Back of throat, all right. Yeah, yeah. Like it's pain in the reenactment. Fuck, I fucked up. I'm sorry if to cut you off, but. I my notes I set myself up and I fucked up. I said I was like, and then he serves June a drink, a drink to die for. <laughs> oh, how delicious! <laughs> um, that's fine. Just added. That's exactly there. what you said in the reenactment too. Ooh, this drink is to die for, Joe. <laughs> Dude, my mom and her sisters like they're all like in their sixties and seven. Well, all in their seventies now. They they do they they use that like so nonchalantly <laughs> everything is to die for like seriously oh my aunt too my aunt too my to aunt's to die age. for and I'm like fucking really <laughs> this drink is so boozy it's gonna cause psoriasis of the liver <laughs> oh but it's to die for it just tastes so it, it, yummy no, it's, it's never a drink it's always food I was taking it's I was taking it, I was taking it a cheesecake um so she has a couple of these drinks um while listening to Prince I would Die for, die for you, you. Drink because you <laughs> are so fucking tasty. <laughs> Actually, this happened way early, like right in like the 60s. Yeah, this is in 1967. So she had a couple of drinks and her friend Wanda was at the party and said that she seemed kind of... Uh, <laughs> she Jesus, seemed, dude, you're smashed, girl. Well, she said that she seemed like very aware at first and then <laughs> towards the end of the party she seemed different. <laughs> and that um, she was like... <laughs> what, what did she say to her? Jesus, June, you're smashed, girl. You're smashed. Three sheets to the wind. You're right knackered. You can't. You need to lay off the sauce. Oh, it's to die for. God. <laughs> June, that's funny. Referencing back to last week, June, you're three sheets to the wind. <laughs> Cut her off no more. <laughs> That's it. You've had one too many. Get off the wicker. You're going to break it. <laughs> <laughs> that last one. Where did that... I don't know. Get off the wicker. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any work, gold, wicker furniture? No, but older people. I was thinking Golden Girls. Like, <laughs> get off the wicker! <laughs> You're gonna break it. Well, if it's not for sitting, what's it for, Dolores? Uh, uh, Blanche. Sorry. So Wanda, Wanda was like, she's definitely kind of drunk, um, but so she actually um, went over to 
June's place after to check on her. June assured her that she was fine. Wanda wanted to stay over, and June was like, oh, no, I'm just feeling a little sick. I'm just going to go right to bed. So the next day, Wanda comes um, back to pay her a visit and sees that Joe and a doctor, a physician, are in the hallway. And this kind of worries Wanda because she knows how she feels about Joe. And um, she knows how June feels about Joe. So, and Joe, like, didn't even want to let her in to go see her. And the doctor was, the doctor was one that was like, oh, no, it's fine. And she finally went in. Yeah, and but he was super pissed at the doctor, too. He's like, fucking doctor. Yeah, and then he goes <laughs> in there. Yeah. He basically tells her, nobody wants your help. Yeah, it's, it's so, yeah. And then she goes in there, and um, it's clear that June's like, they say it's food poisoning, but I don't think, I don't think it is. And she, she doesn't want to be left alone with Joe. And then Joe comes in and like accuses her, like, no one wants you here. But <laughs> June's not really standing up to him too much, but she is like sick and it is the reenactment. And then um, she like sends him off to go to the store. And then this, you know, we don't know what happens next. That's just the yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I'll go get the pills too. And scene. But yeah, apparently next she winds up in the hospital. Very soon after that, she goes into a coma and then she goes, she goes to the hospital. She goes to the hospital, then goes into a coma, or she goes into a coma. I don't even know. The next day, she falls into a coma and is hospitalized immediately. Wow! And then, um, which generally is what you do when you fall into a coma. So they couldn't find the doctors couldn't find any reason why she was in this coma. Or what was wrong with her? And um, they say that Joe Maloney didn't seem to care. But he did offer up a new alternative to what might be going on, and that is that she was like really sad and depressed. She was because stressed, of, because distraught. of their breakup, and that she tried to kill herself. And no one's believing this. No one's I'm believing this. Such a catch that she can't live without me, even though I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, he's such a fucking dick. So she never regained consciousness, and she she passed away. Um. The autopsy said that it was definitely the clear liquid, same one that was found in Neil's lab. And four hours after she died, Joe Maloney they came was arrested. They his ass. Yeah, they fucking... They threw him in the paddy wagon. I'm a little confused because they said the autopsy showed that she had been poisoned. And that... They probably just ran a fast blood test against exactly what they thought it was. I mean, and... and Today's technology, a toxicology report, takes at least two weeks to get. It's just like a simple blood test, if you know what to look for. But they weren't looking for poisons, though. See, that's yeah, the thing. But you don't know that, because they obviously were. Think about yeah, it. Yeah, they were. They knew the story that Niels told her about the clear liquid. So if they're like, if we can prove that this is part of the blood, then we got it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't totally know, but I mean, four hours after she died, they figured it out. Maybe they were looking into him. Well, they should have figured it out sooner. I mean, for 1967, that seems pretty fucking good. That's super fast, yeah. But it raises the question, maybe they were looking into him poisoning her before she actually croaked officially. Sorry for that that term. That could be it. But, yeah. So what what you're saying is policing in 1967 is way better than what policing was in 1980-something. Well, they went in their gut. You know what's really I mean, ironic? Was just, he wasn't. He was terrible. He's a bad, bad killer and a bad, bad guy. M- most importantly, but 
he he's like, a rude, crude dude with the bad attitude. He went to a, a mutual friend of theirs and said he wanted to murder a fucking dog. <laughs> Policeman's dog. And then a lady uh, ends up like dying for no reason. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, just because it's the 60s don't mean they're like just dumb shits. June ended up dying in June. Did you catch that? Uh, that's right. <laughs> Didn't she pass away like June 5th? Yeah, 1967. June died in June. Oh, June passed away. June fifth, 1967. Um, so this story's not even over. That's the crime. That's what happened. But um, apparently, he somehow convinced these people to send him to a mental hospital. So what he did is, uh, when he was arraigned, he ple- he pleaded insanity. So he didn't plead. Guilty or not guilty, he pleaded insanity and requested that he was sent to, or his legal counsel requested, per his request, to send him to a specific mental institution. And what mental institution was that, Dan? I didn't catch the name of it, but he didn't disclose to him that he used to be a custodian there. Oh, custodian? I don't think they mentioned exactly what he did. Yeah, they say he worked there, but no, I went in a little bit deeper and he was a custodian there. So, a, a person that just spends their entire day cleaning a facility you learn the ins and outs of the, the nooks facility. and crannies <laughs> exactly the the butt cracks and the uh folds <laughs> I, don't know I like where you're going <laughs> ew <laughs> the flabs and cracks cracks and slabs <laughs> that was good I really like. I, I I kind of pointed to Eli like now you and he he really delivered. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it shows him running away with his socks on, right? <laughs> so yeah, so and he kind of. I feel like he was waving his arms. I feel like he was flailing, doing the Zoidberg as he walks out. The whoop, 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 yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop. No, but so so yeah, he doesn't disclose this information that you know that he used to be a custodian at this at this facility. And, you know, I think he was saying that he was there for, for like five days. And within five days, he just, you know, dipped out. Yeah, it shows him just kind of taking off. In like a single shot, it shows him like run out of this building. And then you see him downstairs like running away. <laughs> running, like across, away. running across the garden. It, you know, that, that reenactment kind of looked like a, a little like a, a Three Stooges bit. <laughs> Did he flail, or am I just imagining it? Like he ran, but like he didn't move his arms is what it looked like. He it looked like he just ran with his arms straight. <laughs> he flailed. So he had... Uh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, he knew the layout. He knew the nooks and crannies and the wibblies and wobblies and the... And the the, and, the know, cracks in the folds. The wibbly... Yeah, the cracks in the folds. <laughs> so he could get out of there. And now we cut to um, home of Jameson Whiskey and Guinness beer. Five years later, we go to beautiful Dublin, Ireland, where the coppers respond to the house of a Mr. Michael O'Shea. That Uh, name sounds so fucking fake. It does sound like a fake (laughs) Irish guy, right? Michael O'Shea. Michael O'Shea. Uh, one of I think one of our listeners is Irish, but she she was like, I can't wait till you have an Irish case. I want to hear your Irish accent, and it's gonna be terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, lass, but it's gonna be bad. See, I think that was a little more Scottish already. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Michael O'Shea is in Dublin. 
the coppers respond to Michael O'Shea's house because of a burgle, burg, because somebody's burgled it. Burgled. It's been burgled. Sorry, that's and yeah. <laughs> so um, they're looking around, and they they have you know just like they do in any normal burglary investigation, they got to print the owners of the house so they can make sure that um, they're looking for fingerprints that don't belong to the owner of the house so they can try to find out who did it. Very simple. And um, in the reenactment, when they ask him if they can give him a, if they can take his fingerprints, he kind of like hesitates for a second and he's like, okay. Um, But they, yeah, but they, they take his fingerprints and they put them straight into Interpol and they get a hit back. And of course, Joe Maloney is hiding out in Dublin, Ireland under an assumed very Irish fake name, Mike, Michael O'Shea. Michael O'Shea. <laughs> He's a fine lad, Michael O'Shea. <laughs> He's one. That's pretty good, David. The US, eh? That's a fine lad, Michael O'Shea is. He drinks Smittix and has shepherd's pies. Uh, uh, Smittix, eh? He drinks Smittix. He drinks Smittix only. He hates Scotch eggs because we hate Scotland. See, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what bar does no? Actually, to? I don't think they hate Scotland as much as they hate. I think they uh, as much as they hate the English, but I could be wrong. Maybe they're all they all don't like each other. It seems. <laughs> Yet they all live so close together. <clears throat> Yet they're all they all play James Bond at one time or the other. It's okay, guys. <laughs> you actually, can I don't know if they have, have an. Oh no, being Bond. Brosnan was Irish, right? Because um, Sean Connery is Scottish. Okay, yeah, that's another tangent, but. Um, but Lazenby was Australian. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> this never Wallabies. happened to the other guy. <laughs> the first thing he says is James Bond is he looks right into the camera and says, this never happened to the other guy. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Go <laughs> catch a wallaby. <laughs> you know what's funny is he plays like a fancy British man in disguise like in for like a good chunk of the movie. And his, like, he couldn't change his voice. His British accent was so, like, his fancy British accent was so bad that they overdubbed his whole voice with another guy. Uh, like, hello. Like, just a very, like, fanciful British man. <laughs> Forget his name. <laughs> so they ran his fingerprints in Interpol and discovered that he is uh, Joseph Maloney. And that he's a wanted international fugitive. But they don't extradite him to the U.S. because Ireland did not have an extradition uh, agreement with Ireland. And at the same time, he denied his identity, saying that he was Michael O'Shea. So the police naturally let him go. Wait, who? who? Well, well, it's a little more complicated than that. But yeah, like Dan said, no extradition. But in 1984, they actually passed an extradition treaty. So he was held in jail without bail for all that shit. And he was in jail in Dublin for 18 months. Dublin didn't have They didn't have an extradition agreement agreement with the US. Yeah. But then they did, but then they got one, so they held him like for fuck they held him without bail. Eighteen months, right? Yeah. And and then but so he was in jail for eighteen months because in nineteen eighty six that whole treaty fell through. Oh that sucks. So the entire time that he was being held uh, to be extradited uh, back to the U.S. to be charged. Um, he was very uncooperative while being detained. He refused to take uh, photographs. 
And uh, he even tried to escape multiple times from the facility. And he wouldn't admit that he was actually Joe Maloney. So in 1986, when this oh. whole thing fell through... They just let him loose. There was like a loophole in the system, basically. Well, the extradition okay, law was voided, and since it was voided, there was no reason to hold him. He hadn't committed any crimes in Ireland, so therefore they couldn't hold him anymore. Dude, that sucks so So they bad. let him go, and he just vanished. They had him. They had him. Yeah. So he basically served 18 months just to for poisoning his wife. Yeah, he was in jail waiting to go back to the U.S., and he just fucking... And he got away with it because uh, politics, yeah, cool. And he's never been caught. He probably just lived a while and died, and he's chilling. And he murdered the fuck out of his wife with poison. What a piece of shit. What a petty piece of shit. I wonder if he murdered anybody else. I wonder why. And he wasn't insane for a second. I wonder if she was just like a terrible, like, what if she was like a nagging wife? <laughs> I mean, she was that doesn't make it okay. He, he was older. I mean, he... That, that doesn't make it okay. It, it's I'm not, just saying. Dude, nagging wife, he beat the shit out of her. He left, she left him. That's right. But yeah, that sucks. It Obviously, she he murdered. Somebody that crazy had to do that again to somebody else. That's weird that he just decided to murder her only. Yeah, it's pretty petty. The mother of his child... I mean, maybe he was crazy, but I don't think he was. I think he if he went to that mental hospital for the one reason that he probably... Oh, he knew that he could get out of there. I can get out of here. All right, so the next case is... The next case? All right, That's so the, the one shrouded in mystery. Yeah, the next case is shrouded in mystery because it's... Is, oh, it, is it a mysterious oh, legend? so clever. Is it a mysterious Unex- legend? I think it's unexplained. Oh, the unexplained. Okay. Or a legend. <laughs> We talk about a jacked Jesus. Yeah, we talk about... We just see a lot of pictures of I Jesus. I mean, he was a carpenter. Yeah. Carpenters swinging hammers? Um, so we're going to talk about the Shroud of Torin, right? Yeah. And if you don't know what it is... I mean, come on. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what it is, right? It's this sheet that they think was used to wrap um, Jesus, Jesus after he died on the cross. And it has like a weird imprint that might be Jesus' face, but... It's probably it, it probably might be a painting also. It looks like there might be blood on it. I don't know. People don't know. But um, I do want to point out before we start, we get into this, that the picture does look like a Middle Eastern man. And I, yeah. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> and all the yeah, pictures. People... I, I feel like Jesus in pictures does have Middle Eastern features, but he's always just like a super white guy. And we know yeah, no, he's he was from. totally not white. He yeah. was totally... Like yeah. really Middle Eastern. When we went to that um, the museum in London, it was very crazy. Um, I think it was just the actual British Museum of Art. I don't even know. It was like it was the International uh, British Museum of Art, I think. And they had a lot of these paintings from this era, like from the 1300s to like the 1600s. Oh, really? And they're just so creepy, like pale skin. Like it was... They're like I. They're really great to look at, and I'm not religious at all. And they're fascinating to look at, but so eerie. Like there's just like you know, a little baby Jesus, and then just all these angels floating above him, and it's just like this 20 foot painting that was done in 16 something. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy. And yeah, he's pale as shit. He's just a little white baby. <laughs> yeah, no, that dude was dark. Yeah. That's from what I was told. Um, so they give us like a timeline of 
where they think the shroud came from? Um, they 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 have some speculations. They they did basically run down of this. They took they have the shroud right, and apparently it's been passed down from multiple different places. Um, it's been damaged in fires. It's been sewn. Patches have been sewn on it by nuns. Patched up. And when they do these tests on it, um, the, first of all, the reason that they even found the image is because somebody did a, a photography. Somebody actually took a picture of it, and the negatives was what came out, and it showed like to be a person, they, like a figure, like much more than much more than the actual just the. This Jesus shaped stained, you know, it, it, yeah. it's kind of like the most epic version of like, oh, you know, there's a, I have a pizza that's shaped like the mother Ma- Virgin Mary. So I'm just going to have a bunch of Catholics line up to look at my slice of pizza. Can they can break Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's how that happened. Um, they, like I said, it's been patched up, um, and they, they end up doing some DNA, not DNA testing, um, carbon dating, they carbon date. Yeah. They, they the the Catholics allow the the actual shroud to be they they allow them to cut a piece. It's pretty from progressive it, it's for you know the nineties distributed. Yeah, actually yeah. no, they, the carbon dating they did a little earlier, right? Because at the end of the segment they say that they're going to do a new carbon dating thing. Uh, new yeah. carbon dating and DNA testing because someone one of the analysts did sit, do like a wipe. And said that there was traces of blood. Yeah, one well, analyst says that there's traces of blood, and then the other one says, the other one yeah, says that, he, that like he was naming off things, and he, like I can't even think of what they were. He, but he was naming two types of popular pigments in the era that this yeah, like paint shroud would have been created, stuff that would have been used to make paints and stuff. Um, yeah. So what they're basically trying to see is if this thing was forged. If yeah. There was if it was a painting, if somebody painted on this shroud. And they, they're trying to pass it off as the actual cover that Jesus was buried with or covered. And it's a bunch of experts saying – experts in quotations saying completely different things. So it's kind of one of those cases that's – you know, it is it is what it is. <laughs> I mean it is old. Like It is old, yeah. All of <laughs> that's the – That's not a mystery. Uh, all the carbon dating they've tested states uh, – It wasn't as old as Jesus – the carbon dating said it was between like twelve hundred and thirteen hundred AD. Oh, well, either way, it was which after, is like yeah, and and, and way they, after they even said they were like we could tell in the first couple of minutes. I don't know how this works, but the, he was like we could tell in the first couple of minutes that it wasn't from the first century. Yeah, and then they they have the priest come back and he's like, well, I dispute that because it could have been a patch that they yeah or, did. or like, yeah. Uh, the priest also says this thing about yeah, it could have been a patch or, or I mean that, or, or that, people would. Or people would recreate it and take their recreations well, and no, touch it with the actual was, shroud. Well, he was referring that as to the dye, why the dye would be found yeah, or yeah, the pigment. Yeah. But as for the carbon dating, he's saying it's that the reason why it's younger than what it's speculated is because they took a sample of a patch, which makes me which wonder. Is they didn't take a patch. Well, you no, can see the patches on it. It could be. It could yeah. be, but it could be not. We're not given the whole story. Like, did these three universities that get samples, did they get their samples from the same spot on the shroud? Or did they get three separate samples from three separate areas on the shroud? See, if they got the same sh- sample from the same area, if it was a patch, then they would get the same material. They all got, like, corners, it seemed. 
So right, they don't, like like they well, all that's got, what like, they, that's what they make it look like in the reenactment, but they they all got like tiny little corners, is what it looked like, and it's got to be controlled, right? I'm sure they're from different areas. Well, I, I feel like all these people are wasting a lot of time. It's like, why? Why yeah. are we doing this? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so so what if it is with okay, the carbon dating? What? I mean, with the carbon dating, I'm I'm convinced. Does it make it worth more? Yeah. Is it going to be worth more on Pawn Stars? Can well, I go in and get more for this? Like, what is the what is the reason? The Vatican has said that, like, so if it is Jesus's DNA, we can clone him. The Vatican has pretty much said, <laughs> thus bringing the second coming in the end of the world. The Vatican has pretty much said that it's cool to pray to it, right? Like, it's it's cool to like you know, it's pretty religious. It's pretty fucking old. <laughs> it's cool to pray to see it and pray to it. But they're not denying that it was probably from, you know, 1296 yeah, to 1300 the something. Or I, it was between 1200 and 1300 AD. Um, those two letters being pretty uh, important in what we're talking about, right? Because <laughs> yeah. After well, they, they, they also do all these like plant. Don't they do? They, they interview this dude who like does like kind of looks for plant pollens on it and when he does oh, it yeah. it looks like the shroud came from the area of jerusalem but spends a lot like, of time in turkey yeah 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 so who knows i mean yeah i don't put a lot of stock in like objects i don't know that's just me but i know people do when, when that priest drops his ball about um about <laughs> about how um people used to recreate the shroud and touch it with the original shroud to give it more like holy power. He was like, "There you go. That's why they found paint on it." Like he, he, he's, he's, he's so he's smug. so proud. He's like, "That's my answer," and I'm sticking to yeah, it. Answered that question. What's your next one? I just wanted, bring it. No, I, I was just, I, I just, I could just hear the mic drop, you know. But it's, yeah, it, but like, to like boom. to like crickets, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, you didn't prove anything. It's kind of like that U.S. politician that just went on BBC and stormed off in an interview because uh, he always challenges the press to debate him. And one British reporter who is conservative debated him, and he wasn't prepared, so he stormed off. It was great. I I do like to think of myself as a God-fearing Christian. And I, like I said, I don't put a lot of stock in items like this yeah um i do i do understand where they're coming from okay. why are you so scared of him i don't understand god fearing i feel like god fearing would be more like catholic like you they know say god you get on your knees and you're like shit if i do anything bad the fucking devil period they, they that's what yeah, i think they, of god fearing you know like what? oh shit i don't think i guess they fear say god i feel like they say god fearing is a different that, type of christianity they yeah they say that like meaning that you think of him as being reverend and he can strike you down even though he's totally not going to do that because oh. obviously but yeah that's what they say in I the western, like, yeah, I thought western God, culture God, church okay god fearing was more uh old testament right am i saying that right yes um, okay. yeah <laughs> i don't know old testament's very vengeance you're right angry maybe New that's the wrong it's very uh forgiving and a little more hippie repenting that's that's definitely yeah that's it's all about the love man it's all about Jesus the love, so with baby. with that said eli smoke this weed if you man. had to, if you had this item and you were going on pawn stars what would you be asking for 25 dollars 
Really? No. I mean, no. it is old, and it is a definite work of art. You know, I just feel like somebody put this sheet over like a like a like a religious painting they did, and I was and they were like, oh, whoops. Oh, like just draped it over like a fresh painting. Yeah, and like, then it, and then it like showed up in where where was it in uh, Italy? In Italy, right? In Italy. Yeah. Well, where, it was somewhere well, no, no, first. Where's, where's it was, Turin? Where's Turin? Turin is Italy, but that's uh, not where it originated yeah, from. You're that's right, just you're where right. it was housed. It was gifted to Turin. So yeah, I think all of us here are convinced that it's old and it's pretty cool, but it's definitely probably wasn't used um, to wrap Jesus Christ's body. But according to the Catholic Church, y'all, it's pretty cool to, like, go and see it and, like, say, Jesus, I love you. You're pretty good. You're pretty good what's dude. Up? It's cool to pray to it. <laughs> say what's up to it. It's okay. It's okay to say what's up to it. Dan and I saw, uh, Dan and I said what's up to Salvador Dali's Christ um, at this museum in Scotland. That Dude, is- I'd like to see the Sistine Chapel. That would be fucking amazing. What about the 17th Chapel? <laughs> what about the 15th <laughs> Chapel? <laughs> I'll be here all week. Um, yeah, no, that would be really cool. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like, I remember when we went to this amazing old church um, in Lyon at the top of the this huge mountain that looks over the whole city, I guess, Mountain mm-hmm. Hill. And, God, it was so, like, <laughs> my, my cousin, my, like, 12-year-old little cousin was like, he's like, don't go in there because it's creepy. It's creepy. And I went in there and I was like, whoa, this is, like, gorgeous and so old and just, like, I, how do they maintain this? Like, do they, some, does somebody dust it? It's just magnificent. <laughs> And, dude, and I was like, what do you mean this? creepy? But I get what he means. <laughs> uh, the one that creeped me out was the – there's an old Catholic church in Juarez. And there's like a dead Jesus statue that everybody yeah, goes the, and kisses. The, like no offense to any Catholics or anything, but they really like a gory, bloody Jesus. And that always scared the shit out of me as a kid. I, I grew feel, up in a more Christian church, but yeah, where it's like loves and rainbows and hugs yeah, and, and there's lots of crosses, but there's not like a dead guy hanging a on dead him. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, feel like it's and no like, offense if that's what you're into, you know. It's I feel like it's like yeah to put it is to put that like God fear in you. Yeah, the fear. Yeah, the fear of God. Yeah, or it's like. You did this to him. I think that's the whole. I think that's the whole Satan thing. You know, is yeah. the, is oh, you gotta have something to be scared of. I have. But now, if you theology. watch um, Netflix's Chilling Adventures Dude. of Sabrina, so good. Um, yeah, Jocelyn and you had been telling me to to get on it. <laughs> she makes Satanism um, fun. <laughs> she makes Satanism fun. Uh, no, I have a different perspective than most people on like. I feel like the Western Church is just really off. I'm, I've got to say, I've gone through a lot of different experiences where I have to believe that there's something. I'd like to believe that it's God, and I'd like to believe that it's – and let, let me tell you Zenu? the only reason why. The only reason why is because I feel – and I know this for a fact – that Jesus was a real person yeah. who like was in history, and apparently he never really had aside from the empty tomb he never had like a body that was buried and where other religions don't really pray or believe in somebody that was alive and is no longer here yeah. so i don't know 
It could. It's it's kind of weird. But I, but, well, you know who does uh, Scientology, uh, Mormons, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's so like funny. It's, the more you go into like it's Mormon like a, research, I, and it's just like, whoa! So they just this guy was just like a dude in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, was it like? Oh, you're talking about a dude. Yeah, John, are you talking about John Smith? Right. Is that what you're talking about? Am I? No, but that wasn't the '60s. That was like way before. That was like Pocahontas. Oh no, maybe shit. I'm maybe I'm thinking John Smith is not Pocahontas's boyfriend. John Smith. He's a different John Smith. <laughs> no, I, I guess I guess I was thinking more Scientology. You're thinking of Scientology. No, that dude. That dude was a sailor who just wore like suits and like. Scientology is weird, man. If you ever want to watch some weird shit, watch that uh, Leah Remini documentary that she does. That show, dude. I, I do crazy. need to see that. I do need to see that. It's crazy. Um, it's did you crazy. listen to that Nexium podcast? It, it was the no. same people. Uh, it's this cool Canadian podcast called Uncover. Yeah. And right now they're doing this really good story about um, murders in the Toronto gay village, like a bunch of like middle aged gay men that got murdered. It's what? Really, it's really good. Yeah. And um but Dude. their first season is um uh Escaping Nexium, which is that that new cult that that the girl from Smallville was involved in. And the and, Oh dude. And, and and one of these reporters her uh it, one of these reporters his childhood friend called him up one day and was like, "Hey, I just kind of left a cult." So he interviews her and it's kind of it's what brought like it's they're in jail and it's what kind of what it's what brought the case into the public view again. But she tells some weird stories. I mean, it's not like full on. I mean, there's like, he's banging everybody, but it's not like full on drink the Kool-Aid. It's, it's bad though. It's fucking no. ugly. Speaking of true crime and Scientology and weird cults. Uh, did you know? So because of that Leah Remini show on any, which is fascinating. Um, I've found out that, so there's a guy who's taken over the Scientology, like church, religion, whatever you want to the church of Scientology is, I guess you could say. And apparently he was, his name's David, um, fucking David, 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 something, David. Um, That's a lot of David, 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 David. No, the, the name escapes me, but apparently he was married. Like he still is married in like legally, um, and his wife used to show up to all these events, but dude, she's been missing for like, I don't know, years. And they've reported her missing. There's people that have left the church that have said, Hey, homegirls, like we don't see her anymore. You need to look into it. And the cops are just like, they, they try, but, uh, David has it so wound up and like, so protected that they're like, no, she's fine. She's sick upstairs. So the police can't really do anything because it's basically like a compound, like where these people live. And yeah, dude, apparently she's like a true missing person that the people that have left the church is like, yeah, we used to see her all the time. And we used to, she used to be at all the events and now she's not there. We don't know where she's she is. She's not there. We don't know if she's okay. What? Like, yeah. So the, the leader of the Scientology, the science, the church of Scientology his wife is just like nowhere to be found, and people are people. Lots of people have reported her missing, and the police can't do anything because it's heavily guarded. And people are saying everybody there is like, "Yeah, she's fine. Don't worry about it. Go away," kind of thing. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. Oh my gosh, so many crazy wild stories in this wild, wild world. 
Oh, man. All right, so for our last case, um, we're going to be going to um, Orange County, Virginia, which is about 60-something miles away from D.C., and it's cute as fuck. Um, we're going to be talking about the small community of Burr Hill, and we're going to be going to the year 1988. Ethel Kidd and her husband uh, moved up there to build their retirement home. Um, she was about 61 and her children and grandchildren lived in the area and she was about, she was ready to, you know, build this house and have a cool place for everybody to get together. And she was a sweet lady who enjoyed life. They all say, you guys know where this is going. Dude, this case is Um, so messed up. Yeah. This case is, this is not nice. Um, Wednesday, April 12th of 1989, when her house was nearly finished and complete, she was actually spending most of her time up there because it was so finished and complete. Um, this, the morning of April 12th, she visited her daughter in the morning and she went home and was seen checking her mail at 2 PM. Um, and that's the last time anybody saw her the next day. She wouldn't answer her phone when her daughter tried to call. The daughter thought this was super weird. Um, the only thing that she could think of why her mom wouldn't answer was, Oh, maybe she left early and she's on her way to come have coffee again. Like she did the previous morning. And then her husband who tells us a lot of this story via talking head. I didn't even get his name. Um, He says that he was driving by the house and noticed her car there. And that's when he was like, okay, that's odd. And then he got very worried when he um, walked into the house and the front door was unlocked. Unlocked. Yeah. So she always locked the door. Yeah. I guess being out there, um, you never know. But even during the day, he said she always locked up. Um, so he's wandering around. Ethel, are you here? There's no sign of her. No sign of burglary or foul play. Nothing to, like nothing out of the ordinary other than her not being there and the door being unlocked. Um, another thing I want to mention is um, when the son-in-law was walking up to the house, he found an atlas that was on the floor in the grass. Yeah, that per- the perverted atlas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Signs pointed to something off. So a large task force was formed that day. They spread out and searched the woods and fields and couldn't find anything. Nothing at all. Cut to eight days later, less than three miles from Ethel's home, a local hunter came upon her body tied to a tree, tied upright to a tree. Dude, what a way to be found. And she was found 50 feet away from a logging road. Tied to a tree upright, like you can just picture it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really dirty, really ugly. Yeah, it was almost as if the uh, killer was toying with them. Like the detective was saying, it was like he wanted, like, he put the body in such a precarious <laughs> place that it was bound to be found very quickly. On top of that, I think they mentioned that they had searched that area previously. Oh yeah, yes, they it do. was a previously searched area. Oh yeah. I mean, there was helicopters too. Uh, they were like, we would have seen that. It was, yeah. Yeah. There's also signs. We'll, we'll talk about this a little, in a little bit. Um, there was signs the body had that it wasn't always there. Oh yeah. So investigators could immediately find evidence of strangulation and a sexual assault. So it's just weird that, this area being thoroughly searched when she initially went missing, that this guy would have the fucking balls, the cajones to bring this body back to pretty much the same area where she went missing. And like you were saying, 
They could tell that she was kept in some sort of storage. She wasn't decomposed at all. Um, they mentioned something about an insect-free environment. So, of course, they're thinking a freezer. I mean, that's the only yeah. thing, right? Unless it's just like a climate-controlled like underground. I don't know. So the freezer could have been you know, a freezer truck, like an ice cream truck, or a stationary one at like a, a butcher shop or something. Also, something that was found um, on the body was she was tied up with drapery cords that was used in only hotels and hospitals. Oh, yeah, that was a weird detail I forgot yeah. about. And it was like, so uh, the public couldn't just go to a store and buy this. Um, but stuffed in the Atlas paper was stationary from a hotel. And there was some weird shit written on this on the stuff they found in the Atlas, right? They oh, said, yeah, perverted stuff. Yeah, it's funny, like... <laughs> <laughs> I wrote here. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Basically, what they found were flashcards, but for fucking. <laughs> fucking flashcards? Fucking flashcards. Fucking flashcards. Flash <laughs> he would leave them. Yeah, like, One of them said, like, fuck. Yeah, you wanna. And then the F, the F word was blurred out, obviously. And we're just using our imagination here, kids. Imagine it's like, hey, you want a French? <laughs> this is very similar. It's just very innocent. <laughs> but the thing that gave him away was what Robert Stack describes as a murder blueprint. And this had uh, like a list of things, you know, of things to do, like uh, hide the body, hide the body, find a location, just weird shit. It's just like, really? You couldn't keep that up in the old noggin? Did, did it really say those? I couldn't. The I, only I one that I remember is find a location, but and there was there were some abbreviated words that they couldn't tell what they meant, and they do their best of trying to guess. But dude was a planner. Yeah, they say he was methodical, cunning. They think he's white. I don't know why. Because that's some white people shit. Black people and Hispanics don't do that. Don't be raping grannies. <laughs> <laughs> that's some white people shit. <laughs> So they think maybe this atlas that was found on the ground was used to like, you know, he walks out of the car with an atlas like, ah, I might be lost. And they even have a little reenactment of it. Um, and then he somehow grabs her, does whatever. And um, he kind of uses that as like, why would you just stop in front of someone's house in the middle of nowhere? Uh, he couldn't do that now. It's like, get on your phone, you fucking weirdo. Get out of my front yard. <laughs> I like how they also said that he was not very um – he was not very successful with females. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th these are obviously like a psychological profile of somebody who would do things like this. So it's very broad. They're like, well, usually they're white um, because I guess most serial killers are. Most serial killers are white males. This does seem like a serial killer thing. This doesn't seem like something somebody's done once. Uh, oh, this is definitely something that somebody's done before. Um, but the update is it, it, they, they don't give us a lot on Unsolved Mysteries. The update is um, a caller tip actually led to the name Edward Wayne Beverly. And it's a pretty interesting tidbit that they give us. He was actually about to get out of jail. He was in jail at the time. He's about to get out of jail for something else when um, they found this out. And he was tried for rape, abduction, and murder of Ethel and got three life sentences. Yeah. I, I See, I have, some more I have some more questions about this case. Like, had he done anything like this before? What was he in jail for before? And yeah, I have all those questions. 
there was something else that was nagging at me. Oh, yeah, about the freezer. I want to know where he kept that body. I don't know. It's just so heinous and so crazy to just go and tie it back up. So it says, solved a subsequent airing of this case on the show generated a tip about suspect named Edward Wayne Beverly, who was serving time in prison for unrelated crime. Although his name was not mentioned in the broadcast at the time, another update featuring Keely Shane Smith indicated that he was recognized by the handwriting on the preparation list found within the atlas he left at the scene. He lived in Burr Hill, Virginia, but suddenly left the area after the murder. You know what's also weird about this case is no one else talks except for her Ethel's son-in-law. Like, um, the yeah, daughter is the only talking head. The daughter doesn't talk. Her husband, she was still married, doesn't talk at all. Maybe it was just too painful to talk about. Yeah, Maybe. I'm sure. So he's in jail, and they just they decide that handwriting matches up. Yeah, handwriting. Well, that was a tip. I don't know. So Ethel's widower Gilbert died in 2006 at the age of 71, and her son Gilbert Jr. passed away, and son-in-law Thomas has also passed away. So just like everybody who knew this yeah. woman. So um, bummer. They're all dead. Dun um, dun. Who's ding. dying next week, Eli? I don't know. I didn't look any further. Oh, I know what week. we're talking about next week. Ooh, Next like week it. we have a really crazy serial killer case, and um, it's a doozy. They focus on one girl, but it's pretty crazy. And then the, there's a uh, um, there's a case about this judge who stole like millions and took off. And the reenactment, the guy has a fucking terrible bald. Like the guy was bald, and he has a terrible bald cap. And it's just so funny because it's like, damn, dude. Like this is like a video quality. Like standard definition, and I'm just like seeing this <laughs> awful bald cap. It had me giggling, but there's some good stuff next week. Yeah, nice. um, fraudulent judge and um, a straight up serial a bad killer. bald cap. And there and there's some other. There's a couple other ones, I, but that's a good enough little tease for you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for hanging out, guys. Dan's gonna be in Europe, so hopefully we'll be able to come up with an episode. If not, Eli and I will throw something together for you guys. If yeah. even if we're not we're gonna, covering every episode, we're gonna test technology and the internet to its limits yeah. by an eight-hour time difference. Yeah, we might record an episode at like eleven a.m. for Eli and I, and then it's like five p.m. Oh, for Dan. That'll be cool. That'll be nice and different. It'll be nice and sloshed in the day drinking. Day drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out though. Um, we're gonna try to stack up a couple more episodes before Dan leaves at the end of the week. It's so. gonna be entertaining. This is gonna be the first time Road Dan truly goes international. It's not gonna be Canada. It's gonna be Prague. Oh, it's gonna be Dan. Italian Dan. Italian Dan wins a lot of hand movement. Italian Dan. Italian Dan. Italian. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going that international. Daddy Dan. Um, yeah, so Dan, yeah, Dan's hitting the road again. Going to Mother Russia? Yeah, Dan's going to Russia. We probably won't be talking to him when he's in Russia. Um, all right, guys, yeah, come hang out with us uh, next week. Thanks for listening. Stack Peck on your Instagram, um, 
Twitter and Facebook as well. Hey, we've been getting a lot of engagement from our fellow listeners, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. We're getting some cool stories. Uh, we had some guy tell us a cool story today on Instagram. Yeah, we might have to have him uh, tell us uh, that story you. on the air because it's... You should have called him. It, it, I, I did, and he said, let me know how I could do it, but I feel like it's probably too late. We can't... It, we don't know what time zone this guy's in, but oh, we might have we'll him call in and tell us a fun story. Yeah, we love people responding and letting us know that they're watching. Sorry, listening. Watching an old show and listening to us talk about it. I'm Davey Howe, D-A-V-Y-H-O-W. Road underscore Dan. And Big Bad Final Dad. And for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. And perhaps that someone is listening to this podcast. And perhaps that someone is you. We've never solved the case. It's okay. We just say it.